Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Sharon, we're here and we've got our first guest. So how would you like to introduce her? I would. And this is uh, Senior Moments and it's a dull day again. Don't yeah. forget your vitamin D pills. <laughs> so I'm introducing Ashley Provencher. And Ashley is with the Aboriginal Business Development Community Service Center. Center. <laughs> ABDC for short. <laughs> I know, that's so backward. ABCD. No, ABDC. Yeah. Anyway, I, I welcome you. And this is a very interesting service that you provide in our community. Um, and is it just for Aboriginal people only? No, no, it's not. Let's get that sorted out yeah. right away. Because there's a lot of people uh, through COVID who have lost their jobs or businesses or uh, need some guidance. And what I see here is quite um, supportive of people who want to start, people who are having trouble, people who need a loan. So I thought maybe we should just start with, um, you start with entrepreneurs. Yes, yes. So um, my role there is a business development officer or business support officer. And I help you write a business plan, send it off to different lenders. We don't do any lending ourselves, but we have a group of people that we do send our business plans to. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're Indigenous, then we send them to All Nations Trust Corporation. And if you're not Indigenous, then we send them to some other people. But Mm -hmm. we primarily focus on alternative lenders versus the big bank lenders, yes, which are a little easier to... um, get funding through, right? Yes. And so whether it's a startup business, an expansion, a purchase of a business, all of, all of that. And we kind of, um, we help you get what they're looking for in order. Mm-hmm. And so I had, when I was at Phoenix, um, I wanted to buy that little, uh, it was a little cafe at the bottom of Vancouver and 11th on the corner there. Now it's a barbershop. Okay, yeah. I didn't know about you, I went to the community uh, business foundation or our oh, CFDC community yes, futures. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so they kind of helped me with the business plan, and um, and then I got an investor, someone who would lend us the money, buy the place, and we would. Um, I needed you to have your guidance because buy the place, and then we would pay him back. But I wanted to open a restaurant for people who were leaving prison or people who couldn't find work, that they could learn how to be servers. And when I did research on servers, Ash, I couldn't believe what a server has to learn. Oh, there's so much information that a a server or even just somebody who um, is a bartender in a restaurant, they have to... One, a bartender and a server are two different things. And no, people don't realize that you actually have to study drinks when you're being a bartender, right? So you yeah. have to take like a mixology course. If, That's right. right? Yeah. And you have to learn all these And no cocktails. sampling. No sampling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry course. Yes. <laughs> um, but servers do need to be, one, they have to be quick on their feet. They have to have an 
excellent memory because a lot of restaurants, um, either it's in their stipulations that you don't write things down because oh, it looks gosh. unprofessional for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I was a terrible server. Yeah. Like I tried my hand at serving for maybe a, not even a year. Yeah. No, that's really not yeah. for me. I I'm can't, a, I'm a- <laughs> can't juggle all those plates that oh. you have. And so like I knew that that wasn't my thing, but yeah. I, it taught me so much. Yeah. Right? It's just like how to be quick and how to be organized and how to listen because I messed up orders constant. Yeah. I was oh, paying. Things have changed a heck of a well, lot since I did in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, maybe you should have been in washing dishes. <laughs> Probably should have been. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it is tricky. And, um, and I thought I was going to be able to bring people in, and, but. I needed to have proper shoes, clothes, uh, hygiene, all of these kind of things that you think people would just know, but you need to teach them because some of these people have uh, been in jail. Some of them have been addicted. But I want to give people a chance. People gave me a chance. And and so uh, the investor, we paid rent on that building for I don't know how long, and then he pulled out on us. Oh. And I have to tell you, he's somebody that's kind of upstanding in this community. I'd love to give you the name just to do it, but I won't. And and so that's where I should have come into you about this investor, and you could have helped me do more of a, a research on whether he was valid or not. Well, and it's not only the investors or the places that you're going to get your funding from, but it's also things like, hey, have you considered the fact that you do need to teach um, the proper hygiene? You need to teach teach you need to make everybody go through a food safe course you need to teach you know proper footwear the last like there are restaurants out there that i see their servers and heels yeah i just that's terrible yeah Yeah. and And a skin tight mini skirt why do they have to wear that right like in this day and age it's quite misogynist yes it is and i I'm I'm a at my heart a feminist yes. and I just you know I try not to support those but I mean the restaurants are locally owned and they're good food yeah. and let's face it the the females that are working there mm-hmm. understand that that's their job description and that's yeah. what they have to wear to work right yeah. so they have an, they have informed consent about what they're getting into yes if they're happy there, then they're happy there, yeah. right? Who am I to say something because I I'm, I don't agree with their footwear, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I just asked the question the other day. Why do, uh, in figure skaters, why do the girls have to wear skinny mini and the men can wear slacks and wool sweaters? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, <laughs> tell me why. Because they're both skating. Right? I have no idea. Yeah. And and it it upsets me because if you've ever skated for any length of time, it's cold. Yeah, I've only been pond skating like once or twice in my life. <laughs> Not doing those flips. Not and doing twi- those whistles. No. No. And so I think it's really important uh, that we really get into the bottom part of if you're going to do an, an, a business you really need to fine-tune what you're going to be responsible for, for compensation, for um, the income uh, tax, yes. for all of that kind of stuff. Like, I would just like to do a business. Right. What? I have to do that? I have to do that? And that's a lot. Like, some people do give me that kind of um Response, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're unaware of what, they're, what they have to do. Yeah. Right? They come in and they say, okay, I want to start... 
a business and this is what my business is. And I'll mm-hmm. ask them, like, do you have any experience doing that business? Because first of all, the experience comes a long way, right? If but, you've been yep. doing that for somebody else for the last 10 years, you know your job and you know what's going to be required of your employees. Yes. Right? But if yes. you haven't ever done a day in the life of doing that job, yeah. it's going to be really tough. Like, yeah, you can still absolutely start your business. Yeah. Um, but I'm of the mindset that if you're going to own a business and you're going to manage people, you better be able to do their job. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree totally. Right? I was, you know, I was a gas jockey when I when I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and my aunt was my boss. But at any time that the tills got busy or I was stocking shelves and somebody came in, she was the first person to jump on that till. Yes, and she always told me, "Your first of all, your employees are your best customers. Don't yes. ever lose your employees and don't treat them." any different than you would treat a customer walking in the door, but also be able to do your job just as much and effectively as your employees do. That's right. Right. And I've always remembered that going forward, everything I've ever done, can my manager do my job? Yeah. Right. And if they couldn't, I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of a a lowering of the respect for them because I'm like, you don't understand what it it takes to do this job. So when somebody comes in and says, yeah, I want to start this type of business. I've never done a job like that. You should you should do your research. You should really well, jump yeah, in the field. Yeah. I mean, I did do a little stint as as a barmaid, and I learned so much, too. And I had to wear a, a long skirt and turtleneck top and little heels. Uh, but I learned how to handle people when they change their personalities. Oh, yes. And I learned how not to react to uh you know, the flirtatiousness or at midnight, closer to midnight, we got the better looking I got. <laughs> <laughs> I never took oh, yeah. it personally. I knew <laughs> what was going on. Yeah, and yes. and uh, but it, I, it, being in someone else's shoes, even for just a while, just to sit with the front end people. Mm-hmm. and see what they have to deal with. There's lots of, right now especially, there's lots of angry people around. Yes. Yeah. And um, we do, in our office, we do deal with that sometimes. Right? Yes. I'll um, bet. Because yeah. we, no, we don't only start businesses or help you start a business. or We, we also have other programs there, right? Yes. So we have a rent bank program. So if you're behind on your rent, yeah. um, it is a loan, but you pay a very small amount. It's, yeah. You know, I, I'm not in charge of that program, but I do know that it's a very minimal amount per month yes. um, to pay back that loan, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yes. We have a, a food program, so you could come in and get a bag full of meat, mm-hmm. and we offer that meat to mostly elders, Yes, um, but anybody could come in and say, hey, I'm a little short on groceries, yeah. and you know we, we provide that, right? But if, we, if our funding is late... Yeah. Yeah, and, and we can't so, uh, uh, provide those services. Yeah, sometimes they get a little upset. Yes, um, we've never had anybody completely irate, but yeah. I mean, we deal with conflict. We have to deal with conflict resolution. Yes, um, we are in the downtown, yes. so we do have um, people that you know are addicted. Yes, that will come into the office, and yeah. sometimes you know they are don't make sense. They don't make sense. No. Right, no. a lady came in asking for um, a yellow. Asked asked for a yellow. Uh-huh. I had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah. And she got irate, and we had to call the police. And uh-huh. um, turns out she was asking for a yellow taxi. I had no idea uh-huh. that. Right, and so I'm like, okay, well, the whole thing could have been 
yeah, really de-escalated yeah. like de really easily, but I didn't know what she was asking for, yeah. right? And so there's a little bit of, you know... That's a vodka and orange juice <laughs> in the business I was in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah, so, yeah. and I was just grasping, like, you need a, a yellow what? Yeah, right. What yellow? Yellow submarine, uh, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know. I don't. I don't right. Know. So, it, it, yes. And right now, it seems like the last two years, there's been. You walk into a restaurant, you'll see people leave angry because uh, um, people don't want to be told what to do. And um, and I was talking to someone the other day, and I said it isn't just about you, mm-hmm. you know, but it does become about you when you feel you don't have, uh, you can't do what you want to do, and and um, there's times when we just have to put our own selves aside for the the best of the whole, mm-hmm. right? And and when I'm, uh, I have these little stones that I I can throw, and it's it's always. The question is, is it for the benefit of all? Right. And not just myself. And, and I think we've gotten to the point where it's all about me instead mm-hmm. of about all of us because we are one earth. We are one. Right. We are humans. There's four blood types. You know, come on, folks. Right. And Take care of each other. That's, you know, our society, our Western world society is, has become very, very individualized. Yes. Right. And I'm of the mindset of the high, is it for the highest good of all? That's right. right? Like yep. I, my background is in energy work and I'm, yes. my official title outside of ABDC. ABDC is um, a holistic healthcare practitioner, right? So I'm all about the energetics. I'm all about the herbs. I'm all about all of that. And everything I do is, is this going to be for the highest good of all involved? Yeah, we have to come back and talk about that because I'm very, you know, like I believe in energy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, And I believe that what I do and think affects my aunt told me that when I was a teenager, and I thought she was a nut bar. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. What do you mean my thoughts can affect? Yeah, and and my behavior and uh, she and that would have been in, in the early fifties. So she was way ahead of her time. Yes, and I, I do believe that throughout the time, everybody's had this kind of general idea of like, if I help somebody out. It will in turn either directly or indirectly help me out. Yes, yes. So if we help our society out and whether it's our familiar household society or it's our, um, our friends and family society, our work work society, right? If we do something that is going to benefit all, then it's going to benefit everybody, right? We are just little pebbles in a big, big pond. That's exactly right. And so this organization, uh, and I need to stress again, is for everyone. For everyone. And so it's it's like the... the, we we think oh it's Aboriginal it's only for them and and that's why I wanted to make that clear because there's people who are going to come out of this COVID and they're going to say I don't want to work for anybody anymore and there's tons right now yeah, yeah and and they want to you know look at and that's what you do you do the look at the need yes a need study first eh? do we need that or is there too many of them well yes and no I look at I listen to their 
their vision first, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a dream. So I get them to write down their dream. What's the day in the life like when you your business is wide open and you're ready to take clients, customers, et cetera? And what does that look like? Paint me a picture. Yes. Right? So I can yeah. dream with them and get into that, right? Fun. And then And I know I love that part. Yeah. I get their stories in all my yeah. email. Oh, I'm like, I love Ooh, it. this is exciting. Yeah. I, um, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and because everybody's vision, no matter what industry they're in, it's so individualized to what they're looking at, yes, right? Yes. And then we look at, okay, what is your industry? You know, mm-hmm. is it going to grow? Yeah. Is it plateauing? Is it declining? Yeah. Right. Where are you in that? What's yeah. your industry look like? Um, and then I asked them to do what's called a SWOT analysis because oh, yes, there's going to be multiple yeah. different businesses all yeah. kind of operating under the same premise or in the same industry. Yeah. Where are the weaknesses that you can kind of quote unquote take advantage of right that your business can fill that disadvantage from the other business so now your business is competitive in that aspect Mm -hmm. right is and if you can't find a business that has that's in the same industry perhaps you're a trailblazer right i have this one client um and I can't talk in specifics, but she yeah. wants to open up a business business here uh-huh. that has never been done here before. Oh, so it's a little oh, risky. Yeah. However, it's been done successfully in major city centers across Canada. Yeah. So I, I said, you're a trailblazer. We yes. don't have anything like that in this city. Yes. You're going to hit some roadblocks. I'm going to tell you that right now. But if you have the mindset for it, yeah. we'll work on this. Mm-hmm. And part of the business coaching or the business development that I do is I help, I coach through the mindset because there's an entrepreneurial roller coaster of emotions that you're going to go through. Oh, right? yeah. People be mad at you when you point out the, the, the roadblocks. They're going to say, no, no, no. You know, I can see that because they want to go forward mm-hmm. and you want them to be successful. So That's you're right. going to have to challenge some of their ideas. Yes. Right. And it, and so, you know, there are there are times that it's it's really tricky and I have to watch my wording. I was yes. like, have you considered? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. my favorite starting of a sentence. <laughs> have you considered? Yeah. Right? Because there, when you are on that dream and you are got, you do have that emotions and that those energies yes. behind you and it's propelling you forward and you know that this is something exciting. Yes. You get caught up in the excitement and you don't want to be told no. That's the minute right. you're told no when you're dreaming like that, yeah. Yeah. you turn into a two-year-old. Yeah, you Instant, do. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's not On that, the floor, kicking the heels. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. Right. (laughs) But if I, you know, it's all about how you deliver that. Yes. Right. And so if your delivery is good, then the the person sitting across from me takes that into consideration. Yeah. They might have that like, oh, my God, angry look on their face. Yeah. Um, But they will take in what I'm trying to say to them and what I'm explaining to them. Right. I had a client come in and he wants to start an excavation company. Yeah. Um, He has no experience with that. And I said, you need to really do your research into that. Like, yeah. do you know how close you can get to, you know, certain foundations and houses? Oh, and, yeah. you know, if you're doing something in somebody's house or if you're just Electrical staying. Electrical stuff. Right. Yes, do you lines, have a convert? Yeah. Do you have a connection with BC One Call? Oh, I'm just going to get in to drive this. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, yeah, I got a little bit of, 
I don't want to hear what you have to say yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. But I just tell them this is for your own good because you're still going to come up to this problem. Either it's now or it's six months down the road when you're about to yeah. open your doors and you, somebody else has asked you that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or heaven forbid you've opened your business. You have no customers because. Yep. You didn't do your homework. Right. Yeah. So it's not. It, it, and so when you're a visionary, you see that future. And and uh, you know, working with Karen at Phoenix, Karen cleaned up after me because I would see the big picture. She would have to do the legal and you know get all that stuff. I mean, I did, I did know it had to be done, but I hate the little picky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, that you're the one who's kind of cleaning up after people when they have these ideas and they don't want to. No, no, no. You take care of that. (laughs) Right. And, you know, as much as it sounds like I'm passing the buck, I want them to do that research. Uh, Yes. Right. And I need them to because if you can't, if you're not willing to put into the work into just doing the research, you're most likely not going to put the work into doing the job. That's right. Right. It's going to be a fleeting like pipe dream. Yes. Um, And if you're really serious, it shows me the level of seriousness and commitment they take their business. Yes. Right. And their business. Idea and what to do with it next. I didn't know there was a uh, an Aboriginal bank. Um, it it was on your website. Uh, all Nations Trust. Yes, All yeah. Nations Trust is. Um, they are a lending company, so All Nations Trust Corporation. They're down in Kamloops. Oh, yeah, and we that is where we deal um, primarily with if you're Indigenous. So that is a specifically Indigenous only. Um, yeah. Corporation, yes, right. Yeah, so. you had the other ones there, but that one I was thought. Now there's a smart, you know, why yeah. not? I mean, we were talking this morning about um, taxi drivers in in uh, Vancouver who were doctors, and they couldn't be a doctor because they had to, and and so there's an organization that will help them, you know, but. It's, 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 uh, and so the indigenous people are starting to see, let's have our own bank. Right. And I, I think it's, it's a fantastic corporation to deal with yeah. on, on the business development side. Yeah. Perfect. Like the, I have a contact there and we are in communication almost daily with different files that I've sent him and just getting all the paperwork, right? Cause mm-hmm. once, once you've sent in your business application, because you're going to fill out an application form, you're going to build a business plan, you're going to get all your financials, chances are you've left something out. Yes, right? right. And so I act as a liaison as well between All Nations Trust and the client mm-hmm. to get all of the paperwork in mm-hmm. so that way it can be processed in a timely manner yes. and there's less chance of saying of getting a no, Yeah. right? And so if that client is not, you know, let's say something just sounded weird, well, my contact there will send me an email saying, hey, can you clarify this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. And I go to him or her, and I get that information, and I send it in. Well, then then it's it's not those two um, communicating together, because sometimes it can be intimidating. Yes. Right? Yes. To have your, oh, my gosh, my lenders are calling me. I'm freaking yes. out. Right? Yes. I had a really good relationship with my lenders. I didn't go to All Nations Trust. Um, I actually went to Community Futures here in the city. Yes. And I got my loan there, but I know it was very intimidating yeah. to get an email from my my loans advisor or oh, what, you know, what? yeah, or you know, a qu- question about your business plan. Oof, that yeah, scared me <laughs> so much, right? Yeah, but it, so it kind of takes the pressure off, so that way it's not as scary, right? Yeah. Because 
there's enough stress about starting a business and oh, yeah. writing a business plan and getting your numbers and you know yeah. all of that kind of yeah. stuff. I want to take off some of that stress for them. Right? Makes me think of uh, Will and Jennings' song "Working Without a Net." You've got to have a net. <laughs> I don't want to work without a net. Someone's got to catch me. Um, I was thinking while we were talking about um, a hairdressing business that would come to your home, mm-hmm. like um, you know as we have to go to everything. And right. then from there, I started thinking about how when I was a kid, the the egg man came to the house, the milkman came to the house, the bread man. And so there is, I would think that there is an opportunity for people who have chickens to say, do you want to buy eggs? I'll deliver them. Because they're fresh. They're, they've been, you know, they're they're all better than what you're going to get in the store. So I'm thinking about, ooh, what kind of a business would I like to start? And um, and to get a hairdresser to come to your home and do your hair at home would be, especially for seniors. Well, and actually, believe it or not, ABDC did help a business, a mobile hairdresser. Oh, start. really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I should actually check in with her, actually, now that I yeah. think of it. Um, I wasn't there when she started. Yeah. I was still running my business. Yeah. And, um, but now she she goes, she did, um, at that time, go into people's houses oh, and, yeah. and cut hair, right? Well, if she's still doing it, let me know and I'll get her on. Because mm-hmm. I'd like to talk to her about it and, and encourage it. Yeah, absolutely. we're aging. Right? Uh, she won't come out to my place, but I'm too far away. Um, there's no eligibility criteria. There is, there is none. That is amazing, isn't no. it? Why? Yeah. We no, we, no blocks. There, there isn't, and that's um, the AB, the Aboriginal Business Development and Community Center. Yeah, yeah. Was started, um, I believe, in 1999. Oh, I want to say that 90, okay. maybe even 95. Somebody brilliant. Um, yeah, but. That gentleman, he's actually on our board of directors now. Mm-hmm. He started not only Prince George, but he started the Fort St. John one because there's a, a oh. there's a economic development office in Fort St. John, and then oh, he started yeah, a I community or yeah. a Kootenay one yes. as well. Wow! Um, and his, you know, all of the econ are the executive directors that have taken over at ABDC all have the same thing. Like we don't want to put barriers and stipulations yep. in between somebody's dream. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, when you th- when you say those things, there's so many barriers and stipulations about people living on the street and how they can get into a shelter and how they can get help. Like there's so much in there that prevents them from moving forward in their lives that mm-hmm. keeps them in that. And that was made me really happy when I read that, you yeah. know, that you can go in and just sit down with you or or the other Ashley <laughs> and and say, Can you help me with this idea I have? Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to say I have to phone Sharon and see if she wants it. Because <laughs> I'm so full of ideas. And so you're on Quebec Street. Yes. And your phone number is 562-6325. There's two Ashleys. There's two Ashley. This one is Ash. Yes. And the other one's Ashley. And if you have an idea... Um, that you would like to be independent and self-sufficient and provide something that isn't in our community or is needed in our community that could be out, out farther out, 
go in and see them. It sounds to me like they're pretty nice people and that they would help you do anything. I mean, I saw you do the business plan, the market research, the financial forecasting, the loan acquisition. I mean, you helped Ray from the beginning, and then you have a babysitter afterwards. Yeah, we do aftercare, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to know. How are you? How are you doing? You yeah. know, after, you know, three months in, six months in, a year in, tell yeah. me, what what are you struggling with? Where, where can we support you? Yeah. And a lot of it at that point, it does become coaching, right? Yes. As yeah, to, you I know, agree. Yeah. It's the, it's the mind games, the, yeah. the imposter syndromes. Yes. And that starts, that starts right at the start. Yes. But it doesn't ever end. It kind of, it just kind of evolves with you. Yes. Trust me, I'm always in that moment of like... Do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> yes, if it's I do. working, I do. I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> Did I do that right? <laughs> well, you know, in all of these uh, challenges that you have, I've I've decided to call them personal development opportunities. And that's absolutely what it is. Right? It is. Yeah. You can have that challenge. And then when you overcome it, you can say, okay, geez, I'll put that in my back pocket. So when this challenge arises again, because it never just arrives once and you're done, no. then it, you know, okay, this is how I handled it. This worked. Yeah. Or this didn't work so well last time. Yeah. This let's, is, yeah. Let's look at what did and what we can throw away. And so we're close to having to say goodbye. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And, and uh, I hope people will come and have a chat with you because more people want to have their own independent business. Yes. And uh, come in and see Ash and share your ideas with her because she enjoys it. I know that you love what you're doing. I love it, yes. Yeah. And so thank you so much for coming in and spending time with us and getting my mind really into gear. I've got too many businesses going right now in my head. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I really it's enjoyed this. It's a pleasure, this. Ashley. And so Senior Moments, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll have uh, a, um, a call from uh, David Suzuki Foundation. Find out what's happening in and around Prince George for the latest community events and happenings. Tune in to After 9 weekday mornings at 9 o'clock on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Your host for the day will interview everybody from local politicians to cultural contributors and a whole lot more. Stay in the know with After 9 weekday mornings at 9 o'clock only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. If you missed the live broadcast, catch the repeats every Sunday to Thursday night at 10. Buckle your shoes, buy some running gear, and start your training to run, sprint, walk, or skip at the BMO Run for Hope. The BCSS Foundation is part of this year's run, and you can participate virtually or in person on Sunday, May 1st. Funds raised will go towards schizophrenia education, advocacy, and research. Registration and full details are available through the Ways to Give link at bcssfoundation.org. Join in to help out the BMO Run for Hope, May 1st, virtually or in person. Due to cold weather and complying with COVID-19 public health measures, we are all spending more time indoors. 
Health Canada is encouraging Canadians to test their homes for radon. Radon is a radioactive gas produced by the breakdown of uranium in the ground. It can easily enter homes undetected through cracks and gaps in the floors, walls, windows, and doors. You cannot see it, smell it, or taste it. To access information and resources, including where to purchase a radon test kit, visit takeactiononradon.ca. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today. Cloudy with a 70% chance of flurries. Wind from the south at 20K, a high of zero. Tonight, partly cloudy. Wind from the northwest at 20 this evening, a low of minus 5 with a wind chill to minus 9. On Wednesday, mainly sunny, increasing cloudiness late in the afternoon. Wind up to 15 and a high of 4. Cloudy sail for Thursday and Friday with a 40% chance of showers Thursday. Lows near 3 and highs around 7. Then Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers, a low of 1, a high of 4. The long-range forecast for Sunday, cloudy with a 60% chance of flurries, a low of minus 11, a high of minus 4. And Monday, a mix of sun and cloud with a low of minus 14 and a high of minus 5. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community. When you live at Riverbend, you will feel right at home. Okay, Sharon, we've got David Suzuki Foundation on the line. Oh, wonderful. So welcome, Teresa Beer. Yes, hi, Sharon. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for coming. I I have to ask you, Teresa, how, how many people make comments about your last name? Oh, quite a few, you know. <laughs> it's been the source of uh, amusement since I was in elementary school, so I'm pretty used to it. Oh, now. my gosh, I can't imagine. Well, my last name is Hurd, and uh, I went home one day and asked my dad what turd was. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he had a bit of a problem uh, uh, explaining that to me, but he eventually did. <laughs> Uh, and so we have to live with these things, and maybe they make us uh, have a humor or or make up names against them. Yeah, <laughs> make us stronger. You got to laugh. Right? Yeah, you do. And so I'm so glad to talk to David Suzuki Foundation. I've been a member forever, and uh, and I just. At the beginning, let's talk a little bit about David and his family, because I didn't know he had that many children. I didn't know he was married to a doctor who was a partnership in the foundation. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, David Suzuki. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, so, you know, some of your listeners might um, have, have read a, a few of his books and, and maybe not the, the, the biographies or autobiographies. So David was, um, you know, his first marriage. Um, uh, he had three children there. Uh-huh. And then, um, I don't know the exact dates, but he met Tara Cullis, who uh, was taking a class with him. He was a professor. Uh-huh. She was actually doing a university class in, in Ontario. Oh, yes. And uh, and they met, and the rest, you know, the, the long relationship and the marriage, and then the, the, they're both uh, founders of the David Suzuki Foundation, the two together. Yes. So uh, they're the original founders. And uh, Taras, Tara Kalas Suzuki um, and David have two daughters, uh-huh. uh, Sarika and uh, Seven, and Seven is now actually our executive director at the foundation. So it's a long history, and the foundation itself began um, after David broadcast a series on CBC called It's a Matter of Survival. Mm-hmm. This was way back in around uh, 1990 or 1989, I'm not 
quite sure. I think it's 1990. Yeah. And... Um, uh, they received so many handwritten cards. This is a, a pre-email for right. the moment. Yes. They received so many handwritten cards from Canadians, individuals, with you know ten dollars, twenty dollars, mm. maybe more, mm-hmm. and notes about how that show had really impacted them. And it was one of the first ones I think seen in Canada that talked about climate change and and looked at the issues that probably lay ahead. And people were really moved by it. So Tara. Um, received all those letters, yeah, um, ten thousand, if you can imagine, and uh, they wow. were they thought, well, we're really onto something here. Right? Yes. Like clearly, there's a need. So um, they set up the foundation. They had an original meeting with a bunch of uh, very well-known environmental activists and others, um, um, and uh, that was on Pender Island. Right. So that that's kind of the origins of of the foundation itself, and and both. David and Tara were on the board for um, many years. Tara still is, as is Sarika. We've got one daughter. And then, as I mentioned, Seven is our executive director. And uh, David himself is no longer on the board. Um, he stepped aside so that he could speak his words of wisdom as an elder without feeling that he had to censor those comments um, you know, yeah. in the way that you might if you were connected to the foundation. So he's become an independent voice and is our greatest uh, volunteer. Well, and he got an award uh, as the greatest living Canadian. Ah, yes. That was in 2004, I think. I mean, you know, honestly, when you go into the David Suzuki Foundation, and David's very, he's very humble, yes. actually. So he kind of puts these awards in the banners and the platform, <laughs> one area of the foundation on a wall. Uh-huh. And there's so many, you know, I can't yeah. even mention how many he's, he's received over that, the years. That would phenomenal. be my, yeah, that would be my favorite if I was him. To yeah, think that's a I pretty was, good award. I mean, yeah, I'm, imagine. most of us couldn't imagine being me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and David Suzuki was raised in an internment camp. Yes, that's right. Um, he has that history, of course, in the, the you know, the, During the internment war. of the coast. Yeah. He, was, uh, he and his family were actually... Um, interned in the in the Okanagan region yes. um, and that actually there's a there's a video or uh, a, I think you can get it I'm not sure we, we have so many copies of it but it's called Forces of Nature uh-huh. and it talks about his early experience with nature based on the internment so he had so much freedom yes and he uh, I think it's it's a, bit, it's a bit of a contradiction in terms of being in an internment camp yes. and having freedom, freedom yes. he had to occupy his time so he yeah. did most of that outdoors yes and, you know, he uh, really developed a com- interest in, uh, in all living things that were around him and studying them and fishing and, and everything that nature kind of had to offer. So I think that set the trajectory for the rest of his, his life. Isn't that amazing that something so awful could create the, the greatest living Canadian you know, it is something to reflect on. I mean, so yeah. many times in, in stressful times in the world, and, you know, we've gone through them recently, yes. um, people lose sight of what, what really matters. And, um, you know, one of those things that really matters is our interdependence with nature. Yes. And, and recognizing how important it is to stay connected to nature, to observe nature, to see when it's crying for help, to, to observe those things directly. We can read about them, but I think really being in nature and really reflecting on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. our incredible interdependence with n- nature's survival yes. means our survival, and you can't separate the two. 
um, we try. We yeah. know we've done our best through industrialization. We certainly have. Yeah. Uh, the impacts we've had on the cl- on the climate and the environment so far, but um, but uh, you can't do it. No, <laughs> no, we way. absolutely are dependent. And you know, my thoughts of gratitude every morning is why do we destroy that which gives us life? Yeah. And and it's my gratitude is to the earth for uh, what it provides to me and to all of us humans who need to live in in um, in in with the earth as a partner, yeah. and yet we objectify so many things that they don't they aren't living or they don't feel or they don't have uh, bonding and uh, it's just us humans that are superior and and I, I it, it really hurts me to say those things but uh, look at what's happened to our earth and it's all true mm-hmm. uh, so many uh, people like the Suzuki Foundation and other people that I'm communicating with that are really trying really hard to help change what's going on and then other people who just are are, uh, don't lift their head up to look at the that sky at night or the sunrise in the morning or like Shirley Bond sent out a sunset from her window in uh, Victoria the other day because it was so fantastic. So you know that even though she's a politician and that she's uh, working in Victoria, she still is appreciating nature. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we all need to do that. Now, your job at uh, David Suzuki, how long have you been there? So I've been with the foundation for nine years. Uh-huh. Um, I came from my background before. I've worked in everything from, oh gosh, healthcare, city mm-hmm. of Vancouver, mm-hmm. and um, international work uh, overseas. But um, I've been at the foundation for nine years, wow. and I've been working both on the nature side, so the biodiversity crisis, and now on the climate side, so the climate crisis. So I've, I've worked on, on both of those big areas that we, we touch on. Yes. And so let's talk about the the climate and, and what you've learned in your nine years about what we're doing and what we need to uh, do more of. Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, we all enter these, these issues in different ways, right, in mm-hmm. terms of our understanding. A lot of the information, I think, has been given to us on what we can do better mm-hmm. in terms of our personal um, use. So we've got things like recycling, uh, trying to limit plastics in your in your home and your life, um, trying to consider way, different ways of getting around if you can, mm-hmm. thinking about transitioning if you're car dependent and, and there really isn't the service that you need mm-hmm. um, on transit, then thinking about the possibility of electric vehicles vehicles coming in the future. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the focus, I think, has been on, on individual change. Um, but what we do know is that we're not going to get the kind of um, greenhouse gas or carbon emissions reductions that we need without really sound government policy. It, right. it just doesn't happen. We can you know, recycle everything, stop buying anything and stop moving in any way, and we still won't get there. So, so what we need is things that sort of guide our society into a, a, a real clean energy transition, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the timing of that is important. It's been talked about for a long time. We've had lots of promises made yes. at these big climate conferences. They don't always translate uh, as quickly as we would like into action. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just 
that's been the reality for many years. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, there have been some positive changes in Canada, at least. Um, we're talking about fossil fuels and uh, in the context of climate now mm-hmm. and um, how, you know, uh, we need to take steps to start in what we call a managed transition mm-hmm. off fossil fuels. So that doesn't mean it's not going to happen overnight. It's very yeah. clear. But at the same time, if we don't start planning and making real changes now, we won't be able to meet the climate targets that we said. We won't be able to, in any way, match the science and the emergency scenario that we're in, the staying under 1.5 degrees of global warming uh, pre-industrial time. Wow. So, so we do have to make these changes. We know that. And... Um, yeah, I think that you know there's been some positive developments. I don't. Uh, the worst thing that people can do is just give up hope altogether. You know, we've said this before; yes. it's been too long. I hear young people, and they really worry because um, they're taking some things very literally. Mm-hmm. So we do know this is the decade for action that the scientists have recommended yeah. in terms of the international uh, reports, the IPCC reports. But I do hear some young people, you know, thinking that um, now that basically everything that they're seeing is climate change, right? Much of it is, and we are getting these weather events that are intense, extreme, the frequency is is there. So we do know that. But but some young people are interpreting it as, if we don't do it in the next 10 years, well, we might as well just give up. The, The world's gone, it's over. And I, you know, I I talk to them about the longer trajectory of what we're working for because yes, these ten years are critical. We know that, mm-hmm. but um, the world doesn't end in ten years. Like it's, it's really a message you have to get out when people are panicking. Um, we can't live in a state of emergency forever. We have to act, and um, and we will, and we are. But mm-hmm. um, you know, will it be fast enough? Well, when they see billionaires. Uh, building rocket ships that can go to other uh, planets, it must make them wonder why they're trying to get off the Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it does raise a few questions. I I do think, you know, I do wonder, it's like if we had that kind of money, you know, Mm -hmm. if we really, you know, now it's at the discretion of people with this kind of money, what they will and won't fund. But imagine if we had a wealth tax or or something like that that actually required money for climate change solutions, it would be, I think our world would look quite different. Well, in, in my um, ignorance, I thought that the um, the tax on, uh, oh, the emissions tax. Carbon tax. Carbon tax. Oh, yes. I yep. thought that was going into a fund that would um, do investigating and, and science and everything on alternative energy. That was my dumb thought. Well, there are parts of it that are used that way, to be fair. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the money is given back to families, right? So, yes. Um, there is a rebate with the carbon tax across the country. And the intention is is clearly to transition us away from, from fossil fuels through supporting other other types of production, but the challenge is loopholes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If you put enough loopholes in something, you don't necessarily properly tax or um, account for the emissions that are in the air, and that's been a challenge all along. Some of that's industrial production. Yes. I mean, we see it in, in northeastern BC in terms of um, you know, uh, liquefied natural gas and fracking mm-hmm. and accounting for the methane. There's been many studies that show that we're not even fully accounting for 
for the methane gas that's that's, that's appearing that's uh, even more powerful than carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Wow. And uh, there continue to be loopholes that uh, can be used and, and subsidies that, that are given. We're a country that gives a lot of subsidies to fossil fuel production, mm-hmm. and many in the environmental movement have pointed that out through reports. Uh, calculations and such, and um, that uh, you know is something that that um, that we think needs to stop. You know, we have a, a woman in town who owns a trucking agency, and she just ordered twelve uh, trucks that are uh, hydrogen cross with diesel, uh-huh. and that's uh-huh. the first in BC, and that's here in Prince George, and uh-huh. and I think well. There's somebody with a vision, but how can we get everybody to realize that we can't keep living this way? I, I mean, that's part of what uh, the Suzuki Foundation is attempting, and uh, I, I know that there are, like our university is called the Green University, the University of British Columbia, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're trying to be green. And then I don't um, know much about the new buildings that are green buildings that have uh, uh, green walls. And I don't know Uh if they're colored green or if they're made out of something. Um, The plastic problem, um, you know, we were all taking our own bags in until... um, until the COVID came, then we were told we couldn't bring our bags in. And boy, did they ever jump on that and start handing out the plastic bags again. Nobody's told us to bring our own bags again. And we were doing really well. I mean, I didn't really see anybody come out of um, any of the stores with plastic. They had their own bags, and they were doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I know. I think if we went back to, I mean, I look at my my father's generation, right? Mm-hmm. And and basically, you know, you you had your couch, you had your furniture, you had your your home of some sort, and and you didn't change things every few years. Mm-hmm. In fact, they lasted decades. I so still haven't changed people, anything, <laughs> right? Uh, they just did, and and same with fridges, stoves, mm-hmm. and, and and other appliances. And now everything's built for obsolescence. I mean, it's built right into the conditions of buying the the new item. Yes, but you know it's sort of designed to fail within two to three years. Well, yes, look at the difference between you know we have more people on the earth, we have yes. far more consumer items floating around. Clearly, we can't sustain the amount of production and usage that that we have. I mean, it, it, it's just not adding up. So, I, I don't sort of put this down to individuals and their fault for for necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so pervasive in our society. It's, mm-hmm. it's just pervasive. Mm-hmm. So I think we need new economic systems. I mean, that's what we do at the foundation. We're talking about what we call well-being economies. Imagine if everything was not based on GDP. Yes. Imagine if instead... We talked about happiness indicators, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we started shifting the way we saw our consumption. We started shifting into more circular economy ideas, ways in which the economy produces, and then there's accountability for what happens to each of the products. It's, mm-hmm. it's a sign from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's a new, it's not new, I mean, I think we've had it, it before, new. but it's no. a different way of seeing things. And 
you know, um, there's there's many system failures that we're seeing around the world, um, and that contributes to the biodiversity and climate crisis. Um, these are systems failures. They're they're much bigger than any of us uh, have a lot of control over. But we need to put pressure on governments and and shift those systems. Start uh, to see the things differently. See our impact differently. Yeah, because I read that India is using plastic to make roads. That's brilliant. And uh, uh, and so tell me, do you know uh, what cities are doing the 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 green buildings? I, oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. no, for sure. I mean, you know, that's one thing in British Columbia that we, you know, in terms of our environment uh, and policies that we should be quite proud of. We mm-hmm. do have um, one of the strictest building codes in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that uh, requires new buildings to be built with provisions that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So that mm-hmm. are those are things like energy efficiency, mm-hmm. green, um, you know, green building designs, passive houses. Oh, is, yes. is another thing that you can add wind and solar. A really important thing that people can do is transition to things like heat pumps. So instead of um, heating your home with gas, mm-hmm. this is the most popular way, um, you can heat and cool it uh, with the addition of a heat pump. And there are rebates for things like heat pumps uh, now. Uh, so if your, um, you know, if your heating system, your furnace um, is uh, getting near the end of its life, that's, uh-huh. that's something you can do is consider a heat pump. And, and all of those types of devices and requirements are being built into the building code so that um, we can't keep building the same kind of energy-leaking buildings that, that we have in the past. Uh-huh. And our codes are pretty strict on that. So heat pumps, is that geothermal? Uh, no, it's not necessarily geothermal. It's just it's a way to heat or cool, mm-hmm. taking the air within. Not sorry, I'm not an engineer, but um, <laughs> probably not explaining this right. And all the engineers on the phone, excuse me. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's a way to basically create very efficient energy heating and cooling systems from within the house oh, itself. I have to, yeah, um, I have to look without leaking out. I know that our city has um, is heating. From the pulp mill. I guess that's great. Yeah. yeah. So they're capturing the methane gas. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, from the pulp mill or from the landfill. Uh, from the pulp mill. From pulp the, mill. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. So that's a great example, actually, is of using energy that's escaping and repurposing it, recirculating it to create energy efficiency. Yes. And and then I must look when I go into the hardware store. To, uh, uh, at, at what is considered to be green. Um, are we still using wood or are we uh, creating um, walls and things out of paper or uh, not paper, mm. plastic, you know, like e- India's yeah, doing? I don't, I haven't heard of that. I mm-hmm. mean, there are more and, and less sustainable building materials. Yes. Um, wood that is harvested sustainably mm-hmm. and can regrow quickly, like a bamboo-type wood, yeah. uh, can be used very efficiently. Yes, uh, that's right. It produces a lot of carbon emissions in its production, so mm-hmm. a lot of buildings that are green are uh, moving away from concrete yeah. and towards oh. more sustainable um, insulation as well. Oh, yes. uh, Europe uses a type of foam insulation that uh, can be easily filled, um, much more sustainable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we just have to look 
look at other places that are ahead of us in some ways and, and start using some of those best um, building designs, best building materials, and and do it for all of our new buildings. And and also the the challenge, of course, is is um, looking at our older buildings and how we yes. can you know improve uh, them. Improve them. Like yeah. my nineteen sixty something trailer. <laughs> right. It's yeah. it's all yeah. covered in, but I'm sure there's an awful lot of stuff in there that's not very good. Um what was I thinking about um when we were talking about the the green? We need to um, are they teaching this, I wonder, in in school and in in public school and in in high school about because when I was a kid we only used paper there was no plastic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I mean, um, I think you know, I don't, I haven't personally seen the curriculum in terms of the different age groups and what they're learning about climate change. But what I do know is that the young people that we work with, uh, the ones that are, you know, out in the streets, they've been in protests, uh, the Greta yeah. Thunberg kind of generation, right? Um, they're very active on this front, and they're trying to do everything they can, you know, at the local level to change things. They're they're having meetings with politicians. They're doing court cases around the world, challenging um, their generation's, you know, um, mm-hmm. right to survive in a sense, yes. uh, and uh, future generations' sort of um, responsibility for some of the situation that we're in. So they're very active, and I assume that they, um, you know, have got some pretty good education going into that. So. That's wonderful. It can be so active, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. What uh, country do you think is the leader in, uh, you know, taking the lead in moving forward? Is is it the Swedish countries like date? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. countries like Norway, which have made a great transition to electric vehicles. For example, about fifty percent of their cars are electric now. Lots of biking and alternatives in terms of transportation, great buildings, things like that. Yeah. So that, those are really positive examples. Um, on the side of what we call an ecological footprint, or the country that's closest to living within the actual boundaries of what the Earth can provide. So mm-hmm. right now, Canada, we take up about four planets yes. or so with how we consume things. The country that's the closest to an actual balance is Cuba. And oh, uh, wow. that kind of gives you an understanding of the fact that, you know, they have local farm production. They they get around in older, fixed-up cars. Mm-hmm. They share cars. They don't produce in the same way that we do some mm-hmm. of these, um, you know, uh, production. So, yeah, I think... I think we have to re-envision how we see progress. It, it's not that we should all be Cuba. That's not what I mean. But yeah. the ecological footprint of how people live it, it needs to be smaller. And, um, and in terms of the innovations and where those are going, I would say Scandinavian countries are ahead. Yeah. Um, China you know, is behind in many ways in the sense that it has huge coal production and yeah. certainly terrible air quality. But on the other hand... It has the largest, uh, by far, manufacturing of electric buses, for example, uh-huh. um, uh, hundreds of thousands a year. Whereas, you know, North America, we're, we're producing nowhere like that. Oh so, um, big differences in countries, big uh, opportunities for some countries to, to really ramp up their their uh, technologies and, and start to transition to, to cleaner energy. So, Canada uses up to four planets worth of. Materials, food, gas, yes. 
if, if everybody were, were to live like Canadians do on an individual level, we would need four planets, four and a bit planets, to, to actually hold our, our consumption. <laughs> well, on yeah. that note, I have to say goodbye to you, and I have to say to all of all of us, look at what we're doing and start to take some responsibility. Uh, I really appreciate you giving us this time, Teresa, and uh, I really appreciate the Suzuki Foundation, and I'm hoping people will go on the website and become members and support um, you doing what I haven't got time to do. And uh, I love that you are doing something that you love. Thanks so much, Sharon. Really appreciate it. And yes, um, you know, it's something we can all do, right? Yes. You want to feel like you're doing something to make a difference. Yes, so, we so do. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've really learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And thank you. And I'll probably be in touch with you in six or eight months to see what's happening. Have we Sounds made good. a big difference? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Take Thanks, care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is Senior Moments signing off, and we'll be here next week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at CFISF.